there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Hello and welcome back. I am here with my good friend Tracy. I'm here with my delightful friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvalin. Today we are uncharted. Ah! It's been a while. It's, <laughs> it's been since April that we've done this. It has. It has. And I mean, considering all of the holiday shenanigans, it felt like a great idea to just sit and chat. Yeah, I don't know if you had anything, if you had any topics you wanted to talk about today. Um, There were a couple things. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I do, but I want to hear what you've got. Well, I was thinking about some of the big moments in the books and kind of thinking about how they're going to incorporate those into the show and if they'll even be able to, because there's a lot of really big jaw-dropping moments but so often we focus on how little time the show has to feed us all of this information and show us everything that we want to see before we jump into that is this going to be a full spoilers chat yeah okay cool (laughs) full spoiler chat just so people know feel free to listen maybe get a little confused but you know, hopefully we won't spoil anything too big. I mean, we probably will, so whatever. Big moments for the show. The first thought I have is Dumai's Wells. And I don't think that that's, like, unsurprising. Or surprising? I don't think that's surprising that that would be the first one that I would think of. That's going to be a big moment. Yeah, agreed. And I know that Rafe Judkins has said multiple times that his goal is, like, to get to Dumai's Wells and just have that moment available for people to see because it is that moment for me anyways it's it's like a definitive badass moment you know it's all the things lead to this thing and the pain and the torment that comes to people ahead of it and through it like oh my god there'll Mm -hmm. be many exploding body parts that's gonna be like wild to put together I mean not like it hasn't been done before but I mean I can't think of another fantasy series where I've seen people ripped apart by magic in droves like what we would see in Dumai's Wells and there's something else that I want to attach to it Mm, because I think for me this moment is really important as well is because we see the white tower as an antagonistic role in the story yeah. And how much of that has to do with Elida mm-hmm. and her being undermined by, well, I guess she's kind of just a puppet, an mm-hmm. unknowing puppet mm-hmm. of the Black Aja. Yeah. So I think that whole setup for me is really important to the story because it, yeah, at the beginning of Lord of Chaos, who can I trust? Can we trust Mazram Taim? Can we trust the White Tower? And Elida is head bitch in charge at this point. Totally. And 
we see all of the stuff that she's doing and she's we've got Tarvalan, I guess, becoming this role that is so unlike anything that we've seen. We okay. have Swan Sanjay, who is just, you know, this great leader, inspiring, humble beginnings. And then you yeah. have Elida, who is also not so humble beginnings, but also incredibly powerful in her own yeah. way. And it's just fun to see how, I guess, how easily they just kind of swoop in and catch Rand unaware and just all of the things leading up to this moment. Yes. It's all so good. Yes. Yeah. I know when we talked about, it was a previous episode, but we were talking about Bear Lane and how she's the one that finds his sword and his belt and she's the one that puts yeah. it together. Yeah. But I can so clearly in my head see a scene where everyone's looking for Rand and we know that something's not quite right. Yep. There's this festival going on in Kyrie and Perrin is just searching high and low mm-hmm. and it's going to be so different from the books because we're, I guess we're going to know exactly at the moment that Rand is taken and what it's like for him in this environment. visually but within the books we only really have what he can hear and smell I guess and feel and what he's how he's kind of communicating within himself to lose Theron yeah so I can't really picture it in my head because Mm. it's just a man in a box talking to himself really (laughs) I shouldn't laugh it's awful I know I know but I it is when you phrase it that way it is kind of funny I was like, maybe that should be the name of the chapter. A man in a box talking to himself. I mean, it's just like, are we going to see this take place more from the perspective of the Aes Sedai who take him? Or are we going to have it be blackness? Or just it's going to cut back maybe whenever they take Rand out and hose him off and put him back in. Mm -hmm. Like how are they going to do it visually? I think for me is really interesting. It also raises the question of how are they going to have these conversations with Luz Theron play out? Yes. Yeah. I was just writing that down. Yeah. You know, will they include that? I really don't know. I mean, we haven't had any hints yet of Rand communicating with Luz Theron. Yeah. We've only had Loghain talking to these kind of dark, smoky, nebulous uh-huh. characters over his shoulder, yeah. which I have to admit I think was done really well. Agreed. Really well. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was such a smart representation of the madness and the also a reflection of the darkness that's part of wheeling Sidene. Yeah, Snakes and Foxes, I was just going to say the same thing. The opening scene where the guy is having an imaginary conversation with another man and then it's revealed that he's actually talking to no one. He's already gone mad from the taint. So they've shown various ways of how the madness can look to the people experiencing it. That's a really good point. And I really hope that they kind of up the ante on the horror aspect because yeah, yeah. is it Andral? It might be one of the other Black Tower members 
starts to feel just a paranoia, mm-hmm. like dark beings, kind mm-hmm. of, which is mm-hmm. maybe not so similar to how they showed Loghain in the TV show. Yeah. But I think that there's a lot of interesting visual things that they can do, but I also wonder if they're not really going to have that many point of views to show us that because it's going to be like a big CGI budget thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think they're going to have to pick and choose exactly what types of representation of the taint on sighting they want to show us. And if it can be done with practical effects, maybe Mm -hmm. even better. Yeah. I would probably appreciate it if there was a mixture of the two and it's not just all CGI. Yeah. Yeah. That would definitely be preferable. I'm just thinking of like all of the threads that have to be pulled together to make that scene happen. And your question of which point of views will they will they give us? Part of me wants a POV from Berlin and the winged guards and how they see it since we know that they're there, but we don't get her point of view during that time frame. She might be a fun one to follow. Maybe Bear Lane will have a bigger role in the TV series. That might be kind of cool. I really think that if they could do something where it's possible for them to have a mutually beneficial, totally platonic relationship, it would be such a beautiful thing to see on TV. You know, instead of it just being the, and not that it's a bad thing to use your sexuality to like, you know, get what you want, but I think there's a better way of doing Perrin and and Bear Lane's relationship. I think it would be smart to actually give us Bear Lane's book character at mm-hmm. first. That way, we see kind of like the many sides of her. Yeah. If she's just like, oh, hey, new best friend, I'm here to help you with whatever. (laughs) It's like, okay. That's too much. That's too much. I don't think you can do that. (laughs) If they have her come in and kind of try her luck, so to speak, with each of the Taviran except Matt, and kind of feel them out in her way how she does it, I think it would be a good way to set her up as kind of like, she is power hungry in her own way, but it's not for, I think, just herself. It's for her nation. So I, I always find it a little bit more sympathetic. <laughs> but yeah. anyways, back to Dumai's <laughs> Wells. Yeah. I really think that we'll have like this big battle scene that we're hoping for. Yeah. I really hope that they get someone who is very seasoned i guess to direct something of that scale yeah i really don't like (laughs) i don't know i'm probably gonna make some enemies right now i really didn't like the whole like game of thrones battle of the bastards scene because (gasps) it makes no sense it is sense free it is ridiculous does not make any sense I I want I want more of why it doesn't feel like it makes any sense to you. I think I was maybe like I mean we don't have to do it now, but maybe later. I was I loved the visuals of it and the emotional charge of it. I didn't think about whether or not it made sense. I guess a pitched battle like that would never it would never happen. Like it it was 
realistically, it would not work (laughs) what they did. No, no, no. There's the whole question of Sansa not even telling John that, like, hey, you know, you could wait an hour and I have the entire (laughs) Vale army showing up. We don't have to slaughter all of the wildlings. I mean, for a start. Yeah. Sense free. Sense free. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. But it's so, it's so visually cool though, right? I mean. I guess. I don't know. It, I mean, what was it? It was, it was Jon Snow like being claustrophobic and people getting trampled, smashed and trampled. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not a battle. That's just. I don't know, a slaughter, and then, of course, John wins, but, and they, and they, I, I, I could go on for far too long here. The usage of one one, the giant, Mm -hmm. was asinine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have, you have him come in at the end, you know, Mm -hmm. like the juggernaut and just, he could, dumb. (laughs) And this is why Amber should write for every show. No, it, this was just, this was, <laughs> this is not a Game of Thrones podcast, but this was really I when mean, the TV show started to kind of get a little kooky. Like, it was just Arya running through the, running through the streets with a stab wound and then jumping in a sewer, sewage water, and like the next day she's, she's fine. She's totally fine. That one got me. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) My head's screaming, infection, infection. So much infection. Yeah. I don't know. I think Battle of the Bastards was just silly. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I think it's okay for it to be silly. Like, I think it was really, I think it was a nod to, like, what Dave and Dan had said. Like, we... Like, we want our show to be watchable for all types of people. So, like, they yeah. gave us this really cheesy, I don't know. It, it wasn't cheesy. It was just so over the top that I guess, like, yeah, it was total water cooler conversation the next day that it happened. But, yeah. Yeah. Snakes and Foxes says Tarwin's gap at the end of season one didn't make any sense either. This is true. You're right. You're right. <laughs> you are so right. There's so much about that that makes no sense. You could tell that they had to really mm-hmm. kind of patch that together in a way where it... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's moments where Nynaeve and... <laughs> Egwene walk onto the scene of where they're doing their channeling and it's like where did they come from right (laughs) how did they get there I don't know it was just they tried they tried it's I can laugh at it I'm not like saying this was the worst right thing that I've ever seen on television they tried they had a lot of issues working with yeah it ruined the possibility of being a good cliffhanger like the unfortunate thing about episode eight is that it is just decent and it doesn't really like there are just some things about it where i'm like is this really going to pull somebody to want to see what's going to happen next season and i mean like you said it does look patched together 
And that's rough to watch. That's rough to watch. I think, too, I was really expecting a big magic battle. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Um, I I think The Witcher is okay. Like, I'm not the biggest fan, but I, I'm not going to say, like, it's straight up garbage or something. <laughs> but that battle at the end of season one, I thought was really decent, just in the way that they shot it, where you have multiple storylines happening. And then we have multiple characters bringing some... I guess, expertise and what they can do in this situation Yeah, where we have, you know, all the different mages or whatever they're called doing certain things. And I thought that was really cool because you can see what some people are, I guess, like skill levels, how they differ. Yeah. And that's what I'm really hoping for with the Wheel of Time, because Mm -hmm. right now the Ajas all just kind of blur together. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like they've tried to make some distinctions, like we've learned a little bit about the reds, the greens, the blues, but it's still like those very obvious separations between the Ajas I don't think has been put quite in place for us. And I mean, that's three of the seven. So they're still in the series, the show series, they're still like lacking in information about the Aes Sedai. Yeah, I mean, we have someone like Moraine who, she almost fits in every Aja, Mm -hmm. like, if we're just looking at season one, because she's done just wild healings, where she's fixed Matt and the dagger situation. Also, not necessarily a believable scene for me, sorry. It's because I'm a book reader, like, I think that's what affects it. She's done that. She's also played a big role in the battle in Emmons Field. So she mm-hmm. kind of has that green, green Aja, Aja battle Aja going on. Yeah. We know that she's dedicated to causes like her blue Aja is. Mm-hmm. I think. And she's out looking for a man who can channel, which is very red Aja. This is true. This is true. Yeah. So it's interesting. Like, I would like to see the green Aja more militaristic and yeah. not so much just lightning bolt, lightning bolt, but then actually <laughs> coming together and being some type of tactical force instead oh, yeah. of just fireballing whatever. <laughs> you know, that's actually a really good point. The tactical force aspect of it. Is that also kind of lacking in the books too? So this, okay, actually this can bring me to the next thing that I'm really hoping that we get. Egwene defending the White Tower from the Shan Chen. Oof. Because up until this point, we haven't haven't seen someone take command like that. Yeah. Who's an Aes Sedai and actually plan and strategize and do something that's a little and bit bring more, people together right and taking a more tactical like leadership role where you would expect the green aja to do something like that right. so i think with Egwene, it would be really interesting to not only have her i mean we know that she's a competent young woman we know that yes. when she puts her mind to something she can usually come out on top yeah. but I think in this example, she's really 
like you said, bringing people together, but also being more of like a commander and leader instead of just fighting the White Tower. Like, right. Like she's the victim the entire series almost. And then finally, like, this is the moment where in my head it flips and I see her no longer as a victim, but as a leader. That's such a good point from the moment she's captured and she becomes like, she comes into the tower and Elijah's like, you're a novice again. Nah, take that. And Egwene's like, all right, I'm going to figure out how to undermine you. And I have all of this experience that I didn't have when I came in here before. And it's the build up to the moment where the White Tower is under attack by the Shanshan and Egwene's like, well, this is exactly why I'm here. Da 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 da, off she goes, like, ah. In my head, I always saw it as maybe almost tragic, but empowering at the same time because I feel like there's so much emotion in that moment for her where she's just been beaten and abused and it goes on and on and on. And then finally at this moment, like all of the feelings and all of the energy, like she can finally just like put it into one thing and focus all of her, I don't know, vengeance, I guess, in just this one singular moment. But at the same time, have the compassion of, like, getting these young girls, these novices and accepted, like, all around her and just kind of, like, she's got the weakest women and maybe not the weakest, but the most inexperienced. Yeah. Like, surrounding her. And I love how it kind of plays out like a David and Goliath story. Because the Shanshan are just, my God, they're, they're fine-tuned weapons of mass destruction it's like who who would win a army of shan chen and well-trained damani or one Egwene alvier and a handful of novice and acceptance (laughs) i love that story for her so i think like it would be really great if i don't want to see it as just pure anger and power like rah rah you go girl like I want it to be full of emotion and not just like vengeance yeah I actually when you said vengeance I wrote down righteous like I feel as though that is that might be the thing that's holding her up the most is like she knows that what's happening is wrong She's tried warning the right people that this was going to happen, and now it's happened, and she has the opportunity to turn it around, and she's not gonna she's not gonna miss it, yeah, and I think too, with Egwene, like I feel like you would want to differentiate her from Nynaeve a little bit, where Nynaeve mm. is just like going in like full rage and then massive channeling, right. I don't yeah. want to see the same thing from Egwene. Like, I want to see right. more of, like, this softer side where she's been victimized and she's been at the lowest of the low. And I think that's why the moment is so powerful, not because yes. it's just vengeance or righteous. It's because it's, like, her whole hero story just kind of, like, ramped up in that moment. And you're like, yeah. Ugh. Finally, 
good point. That's a really good point. And I like I think one of the other things that really um like amps the emotional aspect of it is just the undying loyalty of the novices and accepted who she's fighting with, which is not something Elida possesses. Like a queen has shown herself to be the leader that the White Tower actually needs, and these young women see it, and they are more than willing to join her, even though they have no idea what they're doing. It's almost an echo of her experiences, too, where, like, she's been thrown into situations where she doesn't know what the hell she's doing, but she somehow manages to come out okay on the other end. Yeah. After a lot of trauma. Yeah, and I keep coming back to really wanting to see Elida earlier on in the series because she's such an interesting she sure bad is. guy. You yeah, know? yes, yes. I mean, have we not talked enough about her? No. <laughs> in a world full of dark friends. <laughs> uh, who's the worst without being a dark friend? I love Elida because she's just so awful and she's not evil. She's no. just an idiot. <laughs> that should be a t-shirt. Elida, <laughs> not evil, just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on and on. Yeah. But yeah, I Have think we this... done the Elida episode? Yes. We did. Okay. It was yeah. one of our first. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. I do we know if she's gonna be in season two? I hope so. I mean they're bringing yeah. in the Tracons, or at least Elaine. Elaine. So it would make oh, sense. It would make sense that she shows up at the same time, kind of like how it's reflected in the books. Elida revisited. Revisited. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We might need to. Maybe this is what this becomes at the moment. So we have the Tracons, which does make for a perfect entry for Elida to be there. Because isn't she part of the escort for Elaine and then she stays in the tower for a while? Yeah. Because the other thing I'm thinking about is like we need to get her introduced fairly quickly because we need to get to the point where we're deposing Swan. And if that just comes up out of nowhere... It's not going to feel authentic. If she shows up and she's like, I'm the new person in charge and Swan, you're deposed now and I have all these people standing behind me, it'll be like, wait, what? what? Exactly. Exactly. Why should like, I care about this woman and why does she hold any power or any sway? Right. Yes. Yeah. I feel like it would be good to have like an introduction scene that shows that she's connected to the ruling house of Andor. And then I think that little scene where Alvieran approaches her would be a really mm -hmm. good one to include. Like, that would be super simple, like dropping a seed. This is something that's being talked about as an undercurrent in the tower. Pay attention. Like, I'd like that. Yeah. But if they just drop her in, like, beginning of season three, and it's like her just rampaging and taking over in the tower it's just not gonna feel it won't feel right earned yeah yeah earned is a good word yeah 
Okay, another... Because then it's also like the... I'm sorry, because then it's also the fracturing of the tower. Oh, gosh, yeah. So fingers crossed for an Elida season two. I'm really liking this woman, Natasha O'Keefe, and I really want her to be Elida because I think... I don't know. There's just a stateliness about this woman where I could see people following her. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, she could be Lanfear too. I don't know. We'll see. You know, I don't. I don't know. I just don't know. I feel like Lanfear is going to be kept pretty tight. You know what I mean? That's what I think. Yeah, like I think once they they reveal who's playing Lanfear, it's going to be like a. Because I mean, the things that are said about her, how beautiful she is, how powerful she is. Maybe we'll get some of her backstory before we even meet her as one of the Forsaken. That would be cool. Like, oh my gosh, how cool would a cold open be of her digging into the boar like we saw in like the Shadow Rising last episode? I would love that. I would I would freak out. <laughs> you would, would clap and cheer and be like, Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think more Age of Legends stuff would be Ooh, amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The introduction of how shadow spawn are made like, yeah so oh yeah fun. oof oof oh what about like a like a thakandar scene with the making of the blades and the the line of yeah. people outside who will be stabbed killed to finish the forging of the blades that or even just how the turning of what is it? The thirteen Merdral and the thirteen mm. Channelers. Yeah. To turn someone over to the dark. That would be really interesting to see too. Probably something for much later on in mm-hmm. the series. But we did get a but hint still. of it in the Dragon Reborn when Egwene and Nynaeve are captured yes. and saved by the Aiel, kind of. Yeah. No, that's right. So, I mean, they could bring it in earlier, but they wouldn't have to. Just mentioning it, like, especially with the way that the Merdral have been, like, their look has been established for the TV series. Like, I can kind of see it in my head how you could make them that 13 and 13 and how dark of a scene that would be. Okay. Okay, you were going to move on. I'm sorry. I totally agree with you. Cool. I have a really big soft spot for the Battle of the Two Rivers and the Shadow Rising. Woohoo! It's coming up. Our next chapters are Perrin arriving in the Two Rivers. And I was like, ah! Ah! Sorry, the emotions. There are many emotions. I just think it's fun that we've got all of these really... Some interesting, some strange characters all kind of arriving at this one spot. Yeah. We have Perrin with the Aiel, with yep. Loyal. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and Fael, and him showing up is going to be heartbreaking. I don't know, in the show, does Perrin have a family? We didn't meet any of his family. We only met his wife. So is he going to show up and are there going to be, are we going to have this moment of him mourning his dead family if he doesn't have a family? Or maybe he does have a family, but it certainly doesn't feel like he does. (laughs) 
Now they kill the Luhans instead of his wife. <laughs> they were saving the Luhans for the Shadow Rising. No! You can't do that. Um, <sighs> that. You can't do that. You have to keep. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to bet that there will be some sort of flashback to like family or whoever we're going to find out is dead when they arrive in the two rivers. We will potentially have an entire two seasons to build up to that because if they do season two and it's mostly books two and three and they save season three for primarily the shadow rising, which I think is going to be necessary, we can learn about Perrin's background more in those two seasons leading up to when he gets back. So maybe we'll find out about his family. Maybe there will be flashbacks to him playing with his siblings before he goes off and is apprenticed to the Luhans. I don't think so. I really huh? don't. I don't, don't think, think so, so because there was no mention of family for him. They made sure to let us know that Matt has family, Rand has family, Egwene's parents, Nynaeve is alone. I don't know. I, I just, I can't see them being like, oh, surprise, he had family, and we're just going <laughs> to let you know now. Huh. I mean, if that was the case, it, he should have accidentally killed his family member instead of his wife. Well, I, I just think that the whole murdering of his wife thing is meh to begin with. So they could have done anything other than kill her, and I would have been happier about it that is interesting like i'm i'm trying to think of what that battle looks like for Perrin going back where who's gonna be under threat for him that's gonna push him to actually leave and go to the two rivers or does he just feel that committed to the place that he grew up in true and that's where i would be willing to like make my bet on that he's just for him, it'll be an emotional journey because he's going back mm -hmm. to the place where he killed his wife. So he's going to be yeah. dealing with all of that. Yeah. But if Fael's with him, then that leads another kind of iffy question where it's like, is he going to go back to the two rivers, grieve over his dead wife, and she's going to be like, it's okay, I'm it's right totally okay. here. Yeah, let's get married now. Yeah. Mm. So maybe they're just going to completely switch that up all the way. Snakes and Foxes says his in-laws. In-laws! <laughs> right? It could be just as simple as him going back, bringing Fael, and he doesn't have to do any of this, like, deep, emotional, soul-searching while he's there. He's coming yeah. back for a reason. It's to protect his people. Yeah. And that's what they do. It doesn't have to be a another... I guess, dark moment for parents since we already set that up in the very beginning of the show. It would actually be really cool to see it from parent in a more healed perspective that gives him the ability to be there more fully for the people he goes there to protect. Because again, we, we have time. He's going to be meeting Elias next season. Maybe. Instead of Perrin and Fail getting married right here in this moment, uh -huh. it's nothing like that at all. Like, yeah. maybe up until this moment, she's just kind of tagging along 
But then when she comes back in and is fighting just as fiercely to keep these people alive and she's doing what she can, that's when the relationship might turn romantic. Yeah. Yeah. That I would I would be okay with that. Agreed. Yeah. Mutual admiration and a an ability to work together creating a relationship that's almost a partnership as much as it becomes a romantic relationship. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. I love playing writer's room right now. <laughs> I that's that's actually one of my favorite things to do. I love I love doing this because then I want to know like when we watch the show how much we're gonna get right and how much we're gonna get wrong, how many emails we should send to Amazon Prime, dear Amazon Prime. Okay, so this one I think is a given. Ooh, what is it? <laughs> um, it, it's just Matt blowing the horn of Valier. Ooh. Okay. Just okay. The heroes of the horn and the horn of Valier. Like, okay. Do you think that's happening season two? It has to, and. I mean, all of the guesswork involved in uh, Ragna Ragnar's, the woman that I had fan-casted for Brigida. Yeah. People speculating that she is Brigida. Ooh. Then I feel like we're getting the heroes of the horn. I feel it. I feel it. Yeah. I think it's going to be a merging of Stone of Tear and Falma. I don't know how they're going to do that. Well, you would just have the Aiel show up then it's pretty much the same thing like it plays out like Falma does but you have the Aiel prophecy switch to Falma or something instead of Tear yeah or they just make up a name it doesn't have to actually be Falma or Tear it could just be a place and they're like our prophecy says that there will be a great conquering of this city whose name is this and the Aiel will be a part of it, and, you know. But, I mean, they haven't really talked about prophecy yet. Yeah. So, I mean, you could pretty much do whatever you want. Yeah, that's true. And I'm okay with that. I think the more that I've thought about it, the less it would bother me that Stone of Tear and Fulma are combined. As long as it's epic. Yeah, I just... It's another one of those moments where I wish I had like a giant cork board and could like line this all out and look at it because I I want them both. I don't want it to be repetitive, but I really, I mean, especially the Stone of Tear. That's just, they're climbing up the side of this massive mountain-like structure. Matt blows into there with a bunch of fireworks and I mean... They can still have the fireworks. They can still have people climbing. <laughs> I mean, yes, of course. Um, I'm just seeing them climb over, like, uh, the houses of the villages instead, or... Well, we've looked at the area in Morocco where they were shooting. Yeah. And some of those, that Moroccan style of buildings where they're on, like, a pretty steep incline yeah they're not it's not like flat land yeah i could totally see people some maidens jackie channing it (laughs) up the houses (laughs) up the buildings yes (laughs) snakes and foxes says two words sky battle i have two words sky hook (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> they just pull themselves up like Batman. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you? That's the sound it would make, obviously. <laughs> uh, that's so funny. I'm good for changes. I think it's necessary. If we have Brigida, the only other ones that, that's really mentioned by name would be Arthur Hawkwing, right? It could be Arthur Hawkwing. It could be Guidel Kane. Could be there. Rogash Eagle Eye. That's yeah, the one that I'm yeah, of. yeah, yeah. There are only a handful of named heroes. Are the rest of the heroes just kind of like red shirts? Like yeah, they don't I have think... really like speaking roles. They're just yeah. kind of in the background. Yeah, yeah, they're just there. Hopefully, they'll still give them like a decent amount of attention and whatnot. But lots of fog. Yeah, <laughs> we need our interview with the fog machine man, <laughs> with the fan. Nita, how did it feel to be that close to the heroes of the Horde? <laughs> okay, next uh, one. Yeah. This is, I think, just a, I don't know why, it's not one of these big battle moments. Kind of, it's in Tanchico at the Panarch's Palace mm. when Nynaeve just like blasts the shit out of the Mogadian. Yes! <laughs> yeah! Uh, I think there's something really fun about that whole exchange between her and Mogadian. Yeah. I love. I love that they just start out. I mean, it's fairly early on in the books. Uh-huh. And I just love that that rivalry, this. This group of people are going to be together for quite a while throughout the series, and they yes. go back and forth. Yeah. And I just think it's really fun how furious they both are, and Mo Gideon is just kind of like, you're like, pretty much like bugs. It's so contradictory because even though she's explaining how how much better she is, how much smarter, how much more talented she is, yeah. she just got bested by this young channeler yep. who up until like a couple months ago didn't even know she could channel. Yep. Just ah, so good. So good. I feel like there's damage done to that museum area of the Panarch's palace. Yeah, I don't know if she was using a Tyrangriol that creates Balefire or just a Tyrangriol in general. Yeah. But yeah, she does some damage and does some balefire. And then it's it's just so much fun because in this moment, time kind of stands still. And we have yeah. these two women who are just, it's 1v1. It's not this big, epic magic battle. It's kind of, I mean, there's like some dirty fight moves too, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Like it comes down to landing blows with... Yep. Fists. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which I mean, if you're totally matched for the power against each other, what other option do you have than like a physical yeah. attack? Yeah. Yeah. It's just so fun because we have the Forsaken who are like, it's beaten into us this entire series. Like they're yeah. like immortal, godlike beings resurrected, Legends. so powerful. Yeah. <laughs> And then it's just Nynaeve who is pissed. <laughs> and I just love Mo Gideon. She's my probably my favorite. Yeah. Of the Forsaken. And I mean, this is what kind of like starts the the rivalry 
between the two of them, which ends up with like a celebrity deathmatch, Braid Queen versus Goth Queen. Yeah. The image that keeps flashing in chat is the one where they're all channeling lightning at the end of season one. And I'm just thinking visually what would the face-off between Mogidian and Nynaeve look like since we can see weaves in the show. Like, I think it's mentioned in the book where it's like if you saw them, they would just look like two women staring each other down. But, like, in the show, Mm -hmm. there's the possibility of seeing what it looks like. Yeah, I for some reason Balefire always looked like Superman's like laser eyes in yeah. my head. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it was so laser like. <laughs> was it was it red or white? Um white. White, but, okay. Or like Shin Godzilla when he like powers up <laughs> the lasers come out. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway. I I've just been I don't know, this the holiday seasons, I've been revisiting so much of things that I want to watch and things that I want to read, and I've been so busy. It's <sighs> yeah, I love your love of monster movies. Thank you. It's why I yeah. really hope that Amazon doesn't screw the pooch. And I don't know. I want Drakkar. I want all the yeah. Shun creatures. I do. I do. Yeah, but me too. May or may not happen. Who can say? But no, I just, I did want to say something, though. This is kind of, like, New Year's related. I don't make New Year's resolutions. I like to keep it very simple. But last year, I decided that I wanted to read more female authors. Ooh, yeah. And Mm. I have kept with it for most of the year. I haven't read as much as I would have liked. Yeah. But. You read Parable of the Sower, right? I did. Uh, I loved it. Loved it. Octavia Butler, is that right? Mm -hmm. So have you heard that she's got Lindsay's like Butler? (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's a there's a show on Hulu now based on one of her books, uh, Kindred. And I started watching it and it is cool. It's like don't have Hulu here in Germany. But I've heard about kindred i'll have to look it up and see if i can find it yeah but i don't know this parable of the sour it is sower uh-huh. it is yeah. just so whew. i added both of them to my reading list for just the stack of books that someday i'll get to read all of it'll happen it'll happen i lynn's actually said in chat uh she's one of the best authors ever kindred was so important for me as a teen i love that Lindsay, did you read this one that we're talking about? I I guess I went into it knowing that it was pretty dark. Yeah. But I didn't expect it to be like the road. Yeah. It's, ugh. I don't want to say too much because some people like to go in kind of completely unknown. But yeah, yeah. I loved it. I adored it. I thought it was amazing. Wonderful. Okay, okay. Well, maybe that's, I mean, I have so many books that I want to read, but like, Lynn says parable is important for our times and you can't say that without me wanting to be like okay I'll read all of it today it's already been recommended by Amber and I respect the shit out of your opinion and Kindred so far the tv show I've I've enjoyed it 
as much as you can enjoy something that's like dark and unsettling, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're starting the three body problem. The three body problem and snakes and foxes is on the dark forest. Oh, what's that? The second book of the series. Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm actually really excited to get back into it. I read just like the <laughs> He's almost halfway through. Chinese speculative fiction. I there's just something about this series that makes my brain want to explode. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm really excited to get get into it. I like the discussion that we had about like how we want to cover it when the time comes. And you know that there's something important about this series. Yeah. When it is currently being adapted by three different production right. companies. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've been watching you've been watching the animated series for that, right? I have. I've yeah. seen some of them. Uh the only thing is the one place where I was watching them, they got taken down. Oh no. <laughs> I found another place and they have the two like the two most like the earliest two episodes. Yeah. So I'll have to go back and see if they add more, but I read an article online, and if it is to be believed, the yeah. animated series has already racked up over 100 million views on Billy Billy, which is like wow. a Chinese platform. Wow. Yeah, I'm excited to get into that one. You've been talking about it for a while, so it's time. Okay, back to Wheel yeah. of Time. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have another big battle or a big moment? Oh, I have. Show? I have plenty endless... more. Okay, you want to yeah, keep did going? Yeah, did you have any? I mean, um... You just want to tag I keep... along? <laughs> I mean, I'm always here for that, too. Uh, Malden. The Battle of Malden. Okay. Keeps popping up into my head. Because it's like... It's another one of those situations where it looks like they shouldn't be able to win. But because they, like pool their resources and their intelligence they do something that they shouldn't even be able to pull off like what they drug everybody with fork mm -hmm. and tea so their channelers can't channel that's fucking brilliant and it worked yeah that one's a fun one i think i think for me i liked it on the side of fayil's point of view and mm -hmm. getting to learn more about more gays yeah, I think yeah. for me, more gaze was really inspirational in this moment, and I really liked the sisterhood of Fail and just you know telling her you can do this. I believe in you. I know yeah. you can do it. Yeah. And oh, it hit me in the feels. Hard. The actual battle part, I was like, yeah. okay, like it's it starts and then it ends, and it's real quick. I feel like. Yeah, I think that I think it's the emotion of it, and like the where Perrin kills brutally kills the man that had been protecting Fael. Roland. Yeah, there's just something really. Oh, it's painful. It's painful. You know that there has to be an end to that relationship. Of I say of course, but I mean, but that that is how it ends is just like, ow, ow, at least it is for me. Like, I feel for Fayil. Like, I, I'm so torn on this character where I'm not sure if I want him even 
really included in this story or not because it's uh, I mean in in my head the way that I've I guess the way that I saw it is that she has something like a Stockholm syndrome where she's kind of attaching to this man who kidnapped her yeah and she's feeling these very complex feelings that she doesn't understand and then she has that whole, whole kind of one woman ceremony afterwards yeah. where she burns something of his I think yeah she burns something and she kind of takes that step to like grieve the loss of him and yeah it, it was a little bit uncomfortable I guess yeah I was gonna say could you expand on that a little because I think I understand what you mean but her having an attraction to this man who kidnapped her mm-hmm. it's it's uncomfortable yeah 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 she's he's her captor and this in this dynamic of who they are she doesn't really have consent it's almost like you know like a prisoner can't consent to a guard that's true yeah yeah so like it's just even though she's thinking you know like i have feelings for him he's still in a position over her where it's I don't know, it makes me feel a little like, ooh. Yeah. And that's not to say that that's why it shouldn't be explored. I don't think they'll have enough time to explore it. Yeah. So, I mean, if they're just going to be like, oh, she has feelings for this guy, it'll kind of just be out of left field and be like, wait, what? Yeah. There's a lot of ways that they could fumble it <laughs> and only like one <laughs> way to get it right. So it makes me a little bit... Nervous. Yeah. yeah yeah and it's just it's hard to watch I mean yeah. I th- I'm thinking back to when Orange is the New Black was really popular yeah and this whole kind of line of thinking about prisoner and guard relationship dynamic it made me be like immediately like feel sick to my stomach and I don't want to revisit that but I can <laughs> understand where if you approach it, it actually could be helpful to some people. So yeah, pros, cons, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I think that's one of the the reasons why it hits me so hard is it's just really complex. Like, it's one more thing for Fayil to kind of like process through in that moment. And it's just, oh no, I feel for her. I feel for her. She's been in a rough spot. I also don't want to give people another excuse to dislike Faye, <laughs> you know, because there is like that type of person that will yeah. be like, she's so stupid. Like, that's so dumb. You're and so I, right. I don't know. I just, ugh, I feel for her. I feel for this character mm-hmm. quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, she does some really dumb stuff, not going to lie. Like, not a fan of a lot of things that she does, but... <laughs> I mean, I think that's part of who she is as a young woman, though, too, is, like, making stupid choices. Yeah, all of our characters do really... (laughs) Dumb things. Yeah. Dumb. Yeah. Yeah. So another one that I was thinking about is The Last Battle. I really 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 want to see all of the challengers against demondred 
I want okay. them all. All of them? Yeah, because I think it if it's just like Gawain showing up and he fails and dies <laughs> okay. and then Lan comes in and wins, it's like, well duh, like it's Lan. Like Gawain <laughs> is just Gawain. But I feel like if he has like all of these like a queue of challenge. Right. One after the other. You, you're next. Step up. Right. Like, I think it would be, I guess it would be that much more of kind of like a fake out moment when you really expect, oh, okay, Lan's going to die now. And Lan does the sheathing the sword maneuver whatever it's called <laughs> i don't know why i call it the maneuver it's not the heimlich i really thought he was done for and i was really relieved i think that was the one death in the books where i was like no don't let it be true don't let it yeah. be true like i can't yeah. end like Nynaeve is there with Rand and if he dies then Rand's gonna lose and uh, oh like the, God, the consequences yeah. of all of it so I just felt like that was one of those moments where I was like, oh no, oh no. For some reason, Gawain, I didn't get the same emotional response. Right. <laughs> like, oh no, yeah. Egwene. <laughs> but, yeah. Mm, poor Gawain. Poor, poor guy. Gawain. <laughs> poor little guy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he makes some stupid moves. I don't know. I I like that. It's not just a land shows up and he's like, I'm going to take him out. You know, like right. there's, it, it's kind of this longer process and you start to see Demon Dread in a new way because for so much of this whole last battle, he's just taunting yeah. Rand, like, yeah. who's there and come at me, bro. Come and it's on. like, this guy just yells a lot. And. <laughs> It's not until that point when he starts dealing with everyone who challenges him that he didn't feel really, he didn't feel like the big, at the end of the battle, bad guy. Mm -hmm. You know, like the big boss at the end. Mm -hmm. Rand's battle with the Dark One is not a physical battle. Mm -hmm. It's a psychological, metaphysical battle. So we have to pair that with something unless they change it in the show and Rand battles Demondra. I don't know what they're going to do. Huh. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I, I like the way that it's... Uh... Snakes and boxes. <laughs> I knew you were going to do this. That's really good. Really good. Uh... <laughs> Bow the wild. <laughs> <laughs> Are people that don't show up on Discord and we record, you are missing things. So good. So good. Okay. Yeah, that's great. One of the things that I really want to see in the last battle is the use of gateways to look down on the battles. I just think that's a really uh, fun technique to throw out there. Like, oh, we can do this. This is cool. Yeah. There's so many of these moments where I feel like they, where I'm like, they have to do it. They have to. It's such a big moment. But then the reality sinks in where I'm like, right. I don't know. I mean, 
the golden crate the golden crane flies for mm. Tarman Gaiden mm. like they 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 have to yeah they must oh have to are we gonna see Moraine and Lan like they're bonding in New Spring I don't know like there's so many moments it'd be so cool cold open they're bonding that would be great oh snakes and foxes I want to see Talmanas just killing all the Merdral. That yep. that scene in Camelin is so good. It's so good. Like there are some good Talmane scenes. Like I'm thinking like Hinder's Tap and just any moment where he's like dry humor ribbing Matt. But that moment, so good. Yeah. I think another thing too, um, wild card here, and I know that we talked about it just mm. because we read these chapters recently. Everything inside the Tower of Genji is really important, I think. And I'm yeah. not just saying that because Snakes and Foxes is in chat, but we were talking <laughs> about how without this moment, Matt doesn't really have his his new implanted memories. Yeah, yeah. So if we we need Matt to be the battle tactician mm-hmm. that the world has never seen before. Yeah. And we can't get that if just Matt wakes up one day and he's like, oh, I hear voices in my head too. Like it, we can't have that. We can't have that. No. And I think that it would have to be like his experience with his past memories I think they're going to have to try to show that in a different way than the madness part creeping in for the men who can channel. Because Matt's not going mad. He's just been given... Implanted memories. Yes, I love that. Give him a holodeck or something, you know? Step in there. This is your past memory. Yeah. Yeah. And Snakes and Foxes says it literally sets up the rest of the series. Matt, Rand's plan to unite the world. Whatever the hell Rain asked for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would be really smart of Team Amazon and Rafe Judkins to actually feed us some of these questions that people have had about the series that have never really been flat out confirmed or denied, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it would be really nice if Harriet was like hey just for you guys i'm gonna give you like a couple reveals and what moraine was told in the tower of genja or what she was told when she goes through wait yeah she goes through at the same time rand and matt do yes in tier and we never really know exactly what she asked for i mean i think we can kind of guess some of the things her future, which is also hard to see because she also had these meetings with men, so we don't know exactly what she knew from men versus what she knew from the Finn. Right. Thinking about Matt and Rand being in there, this is another opportunity to show the effects of Taviran without having to talk about Taviran too much. And the fact that it has a pull so strong, it's affecting a different world that's connected to their world because that's kind i mean that is what's happening right like the finn aren't of the world where everyone else lives in the series 
Uh, yeah, I, th- Is that right? I think so. Like personally, I think so. Okay. I so don't do I. know if there's a concrete explanation <laughs> right. anywhere. But they do seem to be in their own realm of whatever it is. I love that word, realm. I think another big part about that is to show the sci-fi link that the Wheel of Time series has as well. We've had little bits and pieces of the past in the series. We've seen things from the Age of Legends. But access to another world... Like, that feels like a sci-fi moment to add in, and I think that'd be pretty cool. I agree. I agree. I think it's one of the things that kind of separates the Wheel of Time from Mm -hmm. some other series. Yeah. I was talking to one of my friends who has not read the books, didn't even know that the books were a thing, but has just watched the series. (laughs) First off... (laughs) I love it because I I love someone who has no connection whatsoever, can just speak totally freely, doesn't care, like, it doesn't mean anything to her, so she can flat out say exactly what she feels, and she was saying how she loved the story and the concept of everything that was going on, and just kind of like the... I guess, like, the skeleton of, like, what this story seems to stand for and how it's kind of, like, propping up these women. At this point, she doesn't really know what's important about these young men, so that's totally fine. So it is kind of this female-centric, driven story. But she was saying how much she loves period fantasy, and she was like, but I have to say I hated hated the costumes they didn't make any sense for me the time period just feels really poorly done and I was like oh okay so what so what time period do you think this is and she's like oh this is clearly the past and I was like rewatch episode seven (laughs) and she texted me back and she was like she thought that was the future yeah So that kind of confused her a little bit, I think, like, on her first watch through. Yeah. Yeah. But then coming back around when I was like, no, like, this world is pretty much post-apocalyptic, and that was the past, and she was like, they did a terrible job of explaining that. (laughs) I'm like, for people that haven't read the books, that's not something that you're going to pick up on easily so I could see where the mistake was made but from someone who read the books I'm thrilled that they actually included it into the story yeah yeah wow that's a really good point that's how our brains kind of work is in that linear Mm -hmm. way where like if the advanced civilization is being shown it's the future and if you're I don't know getting your goods from the market on your wagon with your mule and stuff that feels like the past it feels like before the advancement of society and i love that jordan is like there are beginnings there are no real endings and there are like changes and i think that that's really cool i guess too like that's another reason why it's important to make sure that stuff like this is a part of this series Mm -hmm. because if they just slip us that one 
flash back to the age of legends and someone didn't pick it up on their first watch through yeah. when you bring in something like the fin mm-hmm. they're going to be like mm-hmm. okay and and to the shan chen creatures i yeah. think people are going to quick very quickly realize that it's not period fantasy mm-hmm. but up until you know this point season 1 yeah. there's not a lot to really explain that yeah yeah it is why i think something like the fin is necessary and having that kind of science fiction yeah aspect to it but we should probably wrap it up because oh boo (laughs) what did you want to say i feel like i just cut you off no 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 you're totally fine we could sit and talk about this probably for a way 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 longer time because i have notes everywhere and i have other things that we could jump over to but i mean we do have to cut this off at some point so at some point at some time some point i just i've had so much fun yeah i just i want to say yeah thanks to our patrons thanks lynn snakes and foxes it's really good to have you here delightful and i hope everyone had a nice holiday if you celebrate the holidays and this will probably this will air after the new year so happy new years to everyone listening